Uh, no, the reluctant bodhisattva, that's right. The reluctant bodhisattva, how I accidentally founded a Buddhist center. Uh, and I came up with this title to do a presentation in, in San Francisco last year. And my, my, one of my colleagues uh, called Sarajoti, she pointed out that none of, the thi- none of the things in my title were actually true. Um, so <laughs> so uh, I, I, with, with key, perhaps the exception of reluctant, um, I think was probably the only bit that was true. Uh, definitely not a bodhisattva. And it's arguable uh, whether I did found a Buddhist center or whether I have founded one or whether I just ha- happened to fall into one. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to say a bit more about that uh, as we go ahead. My original idea was to do a kind of presentation uh, to introduce uh, you to the Cuernavaca Buddhist Center, which is where I live and work uh, in Mexico. But when I realized that we were going to have uh, other uh, Latin Americans in the house, um, I thought it would be interesting to try and kind of amplify that a bit and talk a bit about um, uh, Tree Ratna in Mexico and even Tree Ratna in Latin America. Uh, because Aryavachin is not Mexican, he's Venezuelan, uh, and he and I uh, have been visiting Venezuela uh, in the last, well, he's been visiting here for many years uh, since coming here, but I've been visiting too in the last couple of years, and there's quite a lot happening there uh, in, uh, in Venezuela. And we have here Oscar over there, who's uh, one of the mitras of the, uh, the Mexico City Buddhist Center. I would like you, Oscar, to come forward and introduce yourself would you do that, please? Uh, hello, my name is Oscar. I'm involved in the movement for six years. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy to stay here to share with my friend Nagapriya that helped us to spread the Dharma in Mexico. And also, I'm very excited to to stay in England to know the movement. And now that the movement is bigger than me, than Mexico, that that is a very big sangha. It's very exciting, and I feel very happy to stay with us. Mm. Thank you. Thanks, Oscar. Great. with us, uh, the wonderful Sangadara. Uh, they say he's Mexican, I'm not convinced, but they say he's Mexican. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we've got quite a few people with a Latin American connection. Uh, and it's also nice to see some of my old friends uh, here, particularly to see Andy and Ratnaguna. Thanks for coming. Uh, yeah, so well, uh, we've got the logo up. Uh, so that's, uh, that's us, the Cuernavaca Buddhist Center. Um, give you a bit of background. Sri Ratna activities began uh, in Mexico in, I think, 1993, uh, and they were started by a friend of mine called Upekshamati. Uh, in fact, I was ordained with him, which is probably one of the reasons why I'm there now uh, in Mexico. So he, uh, he, he was Mexican and living in the, in the UK, and he moved back to Mexico and founded uh, a Buddhist center. And I think it grew slowly at first, uh, but if you were to walk into the Mexico City Buddhist Center right now, I think you'd probably be quite surprised. Uh, you'd be surprised at how many people there are, uh, how many people work there, apparently about 40 or something like that. Uh, and they've just got one center, they've got two, two houses, uh, they, they say Dos Casas, uh, in Mexico City, one of which it's kind of about the size of this building, really, I suppose, uh, similar. The, sh- the shrine room, I think, is quite a bit bigger, uh, but they've got two levels, not four. Uh, and they, well, about four years ago, they, uh, they rented uh, a second building, which again is probably about the size of this building, uh, in another zone of the city. Uh, Mexico City is huge, it's enormous, I don't know how many people there are, how many do you think there are? Yeah, um, so it's not really finding people to come along to things is not not difficult, you know. Um, uh, one time when I, after I'd given a talk, which I thought had gone quite well, uh, 
Upek Shamati said, uh, even a dog can have an audience in Mexico City. Um, uh, anyway. <laughs> so, the Mexico City Center uh, grew quite a lot for uh, um, a number of years, uh, although not that many people got ordained people came to the UK. Um, some people even came here, there were a few people who uh, Mexicans, that, uh, some of them have gone back. Uh, uh, there, there, and there had been there had been some attempts to found additional centres in Mexico. Uh, one, another one in Mexico City that was when you were involved with San de Mandela. Were you involved in that? Which didn't ultimately work out. Uh, more recently, uh, an order member moved to a city uh, called Carretero, which is about three hours north of Mexico City, and he founded a Buddhist centre. Uh, but that didn't work out either. Um, so let's see whether we keep going or not. Um, so I, I arrived in Mexico uh, uh, just over four years ago, and uh, I will be honest and say that when I was moving there, I wasn't remotely thinking about opening a Buddhist center, setting up a Buddhist center. That was not what was on my mind. I have no idea what was on my mind. I really don't. You know, if I think back. Uh, I, I obviously wasn't thinking very much because it was not an intelligent decision. Uh, but I got there, and this is what happened. Oh, before that, sorry. This this tells you uh, shows you a bit of the map. So this is Mexico City here. It's kind of as you can see, it's kind of in the middle of the country. And uh, Cuernavaca is just a little bit to the south, so it's very close by, um, just about an hour away, an hour to the south. Where I live, uh, they call it the city of eternal sunshine because it is, uh, because it has an almost perfect climate, sunny all year round, uh, lots of vegetation, usually only rains at night. Um, and uh, yeah, there's, uh, it's, uh, it, Mexico City is on the top of a volcano in the kind of basin really. And Cuernavaca is on the side of the volcano, kind of going down the volcano. Um, let's move forward. So when... It, oh, well, okay, that's, that's where we are now. Uh, these are two of my colleagues. On, on the left there, you can see Sada Jyoti. Uh, she's one of the founders. Uh, she really is one of the founders uh, of the Cuernavaca Buddhist Center. And on the right is a mitra in the ordination process called Diana. Uh, and this is our current house where we are now. We, we, when we started, we were in another place. Uh, you're going to see a bit more as we go ahead. Yeah, next one. Yeah, so when I arrived, I met these two people. In fact, I met them slightly before I arrived. Uh, on the left, we've got Akasha Vajri, and on the right, uh, Sade Jyoti. And I was on a visit to Mexico, considering the possibility of moving there. And I'd suggested that I was probably going to be living in this city called Cuernavaca, uh, and, uh, and I thought about the idea of, of setting up some kind of meditation class uh, when I got there. Uh, so anyway, they said that they were interested in that idea as well. Uh, so that seemed quite good, you know, three people to set up a meditation class. So I came back to England to, to sell my house and to prepare uh, to go permanently out there. And I started to receive emails saying, oh, uh, we, we, we found this house and the rent is this much, and it's in this location, what do you think? And I'm like, what do you mean you found a house? For what? What is... Oh, well, it's going to be this project, and it's going to be... Their, their original name for it was Casa Dharma, kind of Dharma house. And it's going to have this right livelihood business, and it's going to have this, and it's going to, it's going to link up with the retreat centre, and so on and so forth. So I hadn't remotely been thinking of anything like that you know I was just thinking well maybe at some point we'll lead a meditation class and I was writing back quite anxious nervous emails saying well you know how are you going to pay the rent uh, do you think this is really a great idea uh, I don't like the name uh, why don't you call it Cuernavaca Buddhist Center or uh, Central Buddhist de Cuernavaca and at least I got my way with one thing you know which was uh, the name Anyway, so yeah, so I, I met these people, and wh when when I arrived uh, to Mexico, the week I arrived, we were showcasing this house, which was the house where we previously were, 
we had like an open day to say look we've just opened a Buddhist centre this is it there was nobody in it but we'd opened a Buddhist centre uh, and there I was uh, in Mexico apparently in the middle of a Buddhist centre without intending to be there uh, and I guess I could have just said I don't want to get involved in this you know I don't want to uh, uh, to go further with this but that isn't what happened uh, and about uh, five or six weeks later there we were doing our first class uh, to which the only person who came uh, was my ex-girlfriend the reason for moving to Mexico in the first place nobody else we did that class on a Thursday and if you'd have gone to our class maybe last Thursday you'd have probably seen maybe 35 people in the class you know Uh, so things have kind of built up quite quite a lot really Uh, let's see what comes next Uh, so that's the entrance way to our current uh, centre. After about um, what was it, a year and a half or so, we started to realise that the, the house that we'd rented uh, wasn't really meeting our needs. Um, it was quite small and the activities were growing, uh, so we wanted somewhere a bit bigger. And we, we really got lucky in finding this place to rent. It turned out to be the rent to cost exactly the same as the first centre, uh, but it's a lot bigger and has a big garden, has a swimming pool as well. Uh, this is the entrance way. Yeah. This was, uh, these are not all order members who live in uh, Cuernavaca. Uh, this was a Pan American order convention uh, that we had uh, about two years ago. And uh, the convention took place uh, in a retreat center called Chintamani. I'm, I'm going to show some photos of that in a while. Uh, but coming out of the Pan American Convention, all these order members uh, visited us uh, at our, this is at our, our old centre. Uh, m- many of those are from the United States, but some of those are Mexican order members. For, for instance, Vera City here, uh, he used to be in the UK for, for some years. And, uh, and here we've got Jnana Dakini, who is a, a very a renowned yoga teacher and has founded a very successful yoga school in Mexico City, which is called Yoga Espacio. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, so that, that's um, an example of an activity uh, at our previous centre, the old centre. Um, it's interesting to see that, because it's not actually that long ago uh, to see which of those people are still around, which of them are now Mitras, which of them aren't. Um, yeah, um, probably enough. I'll we'll move forward. That's at the new centre. That's our shrine room. It's uh, quite a bit smaller than this shrine room, actually, and it's already too small for us. I think this was a, a festival day uh, where we had some uh, Mitra ceremonies. Uh, so, to, to, I mean, to, just to give you an idea of... Uh, Things uh, I don't really know right now how the Sangha is here in, in uh, Manchester. But in, uh, in Mexico, uh, in the whole of Mexico, there are currently 31 members of the order, 31 order members. And about half of those have been ordained in the last year and a half. So basically the, the order in Mexico has doubled in the last year and a half, which is a very, very big change because uh, there hadn't, hadn't really changed that much uh, in the preceding years. So there was suddenly quite a big change. Um, there were, uh, yeah, in the last year and a half, I think 10 Dharmacharanis ordained and five Dharmacharis. Uh, and if we include Sangadara, which I think we must, uh, that would be six. Um, but he's not there. Uh, so that's the order members. So there aren't very many order members. But there are a lot of people who go along to the activities. Um, so if, if we think about the Mexico City Buddhist Center, just their, just one of their houses, which is in a neighborhood called Roma, um, probably hundreds, if not more than a thousand people go to their activities every week. Um, and they say, I don't know whether this is true, but they say that they do about 60 Mitra ceremonies every year. So there are 60 new Mitras every year. And they say that, well, obviously that would imply that there are hundreds of them. Uh, I don't know where they all are, but uh, there are hundreds of them. Uh, yeah, so it's a very, uh, the Mexico City Center uh, is a very, very big center. In contrast, in, in Cuernavaca, 
well, until recently, I was the only order member who was actually living there uh, in Cuernavaca. Uh, but recently, uh, a Dhammacharani moved there uh, called Avayagita. And there are several other, four or five other order members who visit us regularly, weekly, or weekly or fortnightly, uh, from Mexico City. So we have got quite a bit of help, uh, but it's not kind of full-time help. And we've currently got maybe about 15 mitras or something like that around the center. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's our shrine. Yeah, uh, yeah, you get you get a bit of a view of the garden there. Um, so that that's um, this is a kind of terraced area um, above those railings, and then uh, the garden behind. Yeah, that's a view from the garden. Uh, you can see. It's actually a, a building, a bungalow building, um, which was some kind of pool house, uh, but we use it as a second shrine room. Uh, and then the swimming pool's in front. There it's covered in plastic, but um, that's the swimming pool. You can see the rest of the, the garden there. Yeah. This is inside. Um, when you walk inside um, our centre, uh, you walk into this courtyard, and there's an atrium in the middle uh, with a kind of perspex... Uh, uh, glass uh, ceiling that stops the rain from coming in but l allows the light to come in and this fountain in the centre uh, yeah yeah that's uh, uh, that's our shrine room it's kind of we've got a kind of split level um, situation actually we've knocked this wall down now so that it's not there but um, anyway yeah it's the shrine room yeah um, what else can I tell you? Anybody got a question so far? Yeah. Uh, I think it's a monk. Yeah, that's actually my my favourite thing in the Buddhist centre. And around the time that we went to, um, <coughs> we were moving house to the new place. We went to this. Um, I think it's a chain of shops where they sell kind of home decoration items. You know. And uh, we were looking around for things. And there was just one example of this figure, which were, they were selling at half price as well. Um, and I just thought, well, we have to have that. Um, so we bought it. Um, and yeah, he's, uh, he's one of the guardians of the, the centre. Yeah. 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 I don't know why that photo is like that. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, well, so um, one of the things that I've noticed in my sh not more than very many days here in England is that the demographic uh, of people who come to the centre or the centres in Mexico City is very different from here. Uh, so, for instance, in the case of our Sangha in, in, in Cuernavaca, uh, the youngest Mitra that we have, uh, he's a guy, he's 16. And... Uh, we, we've only got actually four male mitras there in, in Cuernavaca, but the oldest one is 26. Uh, some, of the, uh, some of the women are a bit older, but the, the, the average age of a Mexican is about 28. And I read recently the average age of somebody in the UK is about 42. So on average, everybody is at least 14 years younger. Uh, and you see that, you know, you, you, you note that. You know, not that all of the people are, are young. Uh, in fact, I was just seeing that stupa there uh, of Nandana and remembering her. Um, we just recently, we had a lady coming along of 85, you know, who lives in a rest home. Uh, so we do have quite a range of ages, uh, but it's definitely notable that it's not difficult uh, to get younger people to come along. I think it is more difficult to get them to make some kind of meaningful connection and commitment. Uh, but the other thing as well is, is families um, uh, and, and, and uh, couples, you know. So we, we've seen quite a lot of families coming along. And we've already got one uh, mother and son mitra, i.e. the mother and the son are both mitras. And we're about to have our second. Uh, the, the son is already a mitra, the 16-year-old, and his mum wants to become a mitra. So I, I don't know how much that sort of thing happens over here, but it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's quite common over there. And sometimes you might find even both parents and maybe two of their kids turning up to an activity, uh, usually at the weekend. Not uncommon. 
or sisters or whatever you know various relations uh, uh, turning up and it is a it is people do like to go to things i think in in mexico you know particularly if it's a festival uh, it's not difficult to get uh, well certainly in mexico city maybe 200 people you know at your festival day um when when we had our first festival in uh, in the new house I don't know how we squeezed them in, but we had about 100 people. Never had that many since, uh, but they managed to squeeze in somehow. Yeah, people are, people are interested, uh, but uh, in general, their level of interest is not very serious. Uh, and it's certainly quite easy to get somebody to come along to it, an activity once, but you know, many of them don't come back. I'm sure that happens here as well. Um, but slowly, 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 some of them do come back, uh, and more and more of them uh, come back. Uh, and we're now at the point in Cuernavaca where some of the people who've been coming along and become mitras want to join uh, the order. Uh, so some of them uh, are in the process of, of uh, asking that, you know, asking uh, to join the order and uh, beginning their preparation for that. You need to think about a situation that is just a very, very long way away from the rest of our uh, Sangha. Uh, the nearest uh, centre that we have uh, the nearest to Mexico is actually San Francisco uh, and that's about four and a half hours by plane uh, that's the nearest center outside Mexico and uh, the nearest one after that I don't know maybe it's Merida which is a long long way away um, uh, so that's and, and many Mexicans or few Mexicans I should say have got the resources to be able to travel uh, regularly um, Someone like Oscar over there, he just happens to be very intelligent and uh, have a very good job. Uh, but it's very expensive for people uh, to travel. So uh, it, what I'm driving at is it's not very easy for people to have a sense of what our Sangha is about outside of, uh, outside of Mexico. So in part, in part for that, we've been very dependent on having lots of visitors. And we do have lots of visitors, lots of people come come and visit the centre, uh, our centre in Cuernavaca and, and also in Mexico City. Quite surprising how many people uh, come through. I've been creating a little kind of visitor's book recently uh, for all of the order members that have passed through uh, our centre. And there must be a, already at least 30 photos, you know, in, in that book. You know, people from the United States, we get quite a few visits. Sometimes people coming from the UK and from Spain. Yeah, this group here... Uh, I think this was on this festival day that I'm referring to when 100 people showed up. Uh, but that group of guys there, uh, are they're all from Mexico City. Uh, we've got here uh, Upek Shamati, uh, who is the, the founder of Tree Ratna in Mexico. And the guy next to him uh, is called Viria Kirti, and he's the current uh, chair, uh, current director of the Mexico City Buddhist Center. At that time... All of those other guys were mitras. Um, most of them still are, except for this guy who got ordained last year. Uh, he's called Muninda. Yeah. Yeah. So we have various different kinds of activities in the centre. Um, uh, yoga is a very popular uh, practice in 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 Mexico, and, in, and for us, it's one of the ways that we're, on the one hand, getting people to visit and know the centre. And on the other hand, it contributes to the economy of the centre. Um, while I'm speaking about that, uh, when, when we began uh, the centre, obviously we had no income at all. Um, uh, and I worked completely uh, voluntarily for three years uh, doing other things. Uh, I've started to receive a little bit of support now uh, from the centre. But basically to pay the rent... Um, uh, the uh, the retreat centre um, that is associated, well, it's now associated uh, with the Cuernavaca Buddhist Centre called Chintamani, paid the rent, uh, which was very, very generous. And it did that for about two years, I think. Um, slowly, slowly, we started to build up activities and started to pay our bills, pay our way. Uh, but we, we still need to uh, increase the income, really, to make things uh, work well. But yeah, it's classic. That's a class of Qigong. Um, not sure uh, whether you have Qigong here. Uh, Qigong is kind of related to Tai Chi, uh, but the, uh, the movements are much uh, easier and simpler. Um, we have a couple of classes of Qigong every week. 
Um, and that one was happening in the garden. I was talking about the retreat center, uh, which is called uh, Chintamani. Chintamani is the, uh, is the jewel that Avalokiteshvara holds in his hands, which grants all wishes. Uh, that's the Chintamani. And uh, Chintamani was a retreat center founded by uh, two uh, women order members, uh, one of whom is Sadajoti, who seems to found everything, because she also founded the Kuenabaka Buddhist Center. Uh, and the other uh, woman is now called Moksh, uh, Mokshasi. Mokshasi. She was ordained just a few months ago. Uh, but they founded uh, Chintamani together, uh, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years ago, uh, something like that. It's a very, very beautiful place. Um, this is a retreat. As you can see, there's a stupa in the, in the grounds there. This retreat centre is quite close to Cuenabaca, which is nice. It's about a 40-minute drive away. Um, it's in the same state. And they bought uh, Mokshasi and Sarajoti a, com- a piece of com- completely empty land and created this retreat centre. You can see very nice trees on it now. There were no trees when they started. Uh, and um, many of the retreats that Tri Ratna offers uh, in Mexico are held at Chintamani. Not all of them, uh, but quite a few of them are. I planted that tree. Did you? <laughs> Honestly? Yeah. No yeah. one yeah. left. Yeah, it's, it's a very, very beautiful place. Um, and uh, maybe one day you'll get to visit there. Um, certainly very welcome yeah yeah this is another view of Chintamani uh, this is a view of the um, of the uh, uh, the accommodation buildings uh, so that's where people stay I remember my first Tri Ratna retreat I went to Pabaloka and I was in a dormitory with about 30 men in these bunk beds, which were ex-army bunk beds, really, really uncomfortable. You know, loads of people snoring. You can imagine what else you know men do when they're sleeping. Uh, and uh, yeah, and to go to Chintamani, it's just like uh, a pure land, really. Yeah, uh, uh, I usually have a room to myself, uh, or if I choose, just share with one other person. Every room has a bathroom. Uh, and it's a very, very spacious, beautiful place. Yeah, that's the shrine room. That looks like a retreat that we were doing um, a couple of years ago. Um, the main shrine room at Chintamani is a kind of hexagonal shape. I don't know if you can see that there. Uh, can get quite hot there, which is why I'm wearing my pyjamas. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is outside uh, uh, a yoga class um, on on one of our retreats. Um, actually, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest and say the lady there who's giving the yoga class is my girlfriend. Uh, she's called Fanny, uh, and uh, she, at that time anyway, she was she was leading that yoga yoga class. This space here is called a palapa. Uh, which is a, a, an open covered area, uh, kind of has a straw roof, uh, very pleasant space. Yeah. Yeah, that was that retreat, a retreat photo. Um, that, <laughs> that guy there uh, is an order member called Diapalin. Uh, he works with us in. Uh, in Cuenabaca, he got ordained last year, and uh, he's uh, he's on our council. He's actually our treasurer. Yeah, we amongst other activities that we've had, uh, we've tried to have some cultural activities at the centre. It's not been a main focus for us, but I think it's something that we'd like to develop more. Uh, this was on a festival day. I think it was Sangha Day, uh, where one of the mitras called Valentin. Uh, played classical guitar and uh, we invited uh, uh, a poet, this poet called David uh, to read some of his poems so they did a a combined poetry reading and classical music uh, thing which worked out very nicely yeah we've 
in really in quite a short amount of time and with quite not very many people, we, we've managed to do quite a few activities at the centre uh, or through the centre. One of the things that we started was a uh, uh, a, uh, a Buddhist film festival, um, which we've done twice now. Uh, we, in collaboration with a uh, a cinema uh, in the city, uh, we've uh, put on a cycle of six films. Uh, each December, I think it's been. Um, and what we do is some, one of us gives a talk about the film, uh, explaining about what it's got to do with Buddhism, uh, and then we watch the film. And that's worked quite well. Uh, that was the first one uh, that we did. Uh, there aren't that many Buddhist films, so uh, most, of the, most of the films we're choosing now are films that we think have got Buddhist themes. You know, so... Like uh, last year, for instance, uh, we showed The Truman Show. I don't know if anybody's seen that film. Uh, and I, I've, uh, I'm pushing for, this year, I'm pushing for Being John Malkovich. I don't know if anybody's seen that. Uh, and uh, maybe uh, Groundhog Day. Yeah. What's that? Uh, yeah, of course they do. Yeah, yeah. We, we watch them, uh, them in the original uh, language, uh, but yeah, with subtitles, yeah. Yeah, that's the film that was kind of advertising the film festival, just to prove that I was actually there. Yeah, um, this this is again back in the centre, and uh, recently one of our recent projects has been to open a library uh, in the Buddhist centre. Uh, so far, we don't have that many books, um, but they're, they're starting to build, um, and uh, we we chose this space to to put the library in. I think this was the day of the opening of the library or roundabout then. Uh, you can see in this picture some of our mitras. Uh, this lady is called uh, Edith, uh, and that's Sabine, um, two, two of our mitras, yeah. Um, yeah. This is a study group, um, just like I guess you guys do. Uh, we have regular study groups. This particular study group is quite uh, an interesting one uh, because... It was actually the first study group that we started uh, in Cuernavaca, and uh, we started it about more than three and a half years ago, um, this group. And it's a fortnightly group, and it's kind of grown and changed a lot and so on. Uh, but two of these people in this picture have been in the group for three and a half years. Uh, this lady here, uh, who's called Mokshasi, I mentioned her before. Uh, so she's been kind of helping and supporting uh, the centre since since before it opened, since, uh, since the planning stage. And this uh, gentleman here uh, called Raul, he's been in it since the beginning. So you can see a bit here a bit the span of ages that we've got. This is um, Rodrigo, who's 16, and Raul, I don't know, he's probably about 75 or something like that, in the same study group. Yeah, on, on the, With this particular study group, what we do is we have two groups that are following the same material but they, uh, they meet with different study leaders so you can't see it but at, the, at, this very, at that very moment there's another study group studying the same material in another space yeah I think this was an event I, I mentioned that we have lots of visitors uh, this was a visit that we had from Dharmakirti uh, who is the only as far as I know the only Argentinian uh, order member that we have uh, and he's there with Silamani, uh, who's a Spanish order member. And they came to do various events to do with uh, breathworks um, uh, in Mexico City. And as part of what they did, uh, they came and offered us a little workshop. Uh, yeah. That's a group of our... I was going to say that's a group of our mitras. It was a group of our mitras, but uh, Mokshasi, second from left, uh, now got ordained. Uh, so far left we've got uh, Vanessa, uh, who's uh, one of the Mitras. Uh, on the right we've got Claudia, and then we've got uh, Diana. Vanessa on the left and Diana on the right are both Mitras who are training for ordination. Yeah. Another group of Mitras. What do you notice about the Mitras so far? What's that? They're all women, that's right. Yeah, there's lots of women, yeah. Uh, so here we've got um, Guadalupe, uh, second from left. Uh, and uh, uh, Sabine, Sabine is um, 
of German origin, uh, but has been living in Mexico for many years. And Edith, I mentioned, who was in the previous photo. Um, yeah, one, one of the, sorry, can we go back to that photo? One of the things that I feel pleased with, well, on the, ha- well, well, on the one hand, we can, all, we can see that they're all women. And this group of photos probably belongs to a particular age group of women. But you can see, I think, as well, that they're all different colours and different ethnicities. And and one one of the issues in Mexico is uh, that, generally speaking, uh, if you are paler, you are richer and you are better educated. Um, That is generally how it is in Mexico. Uh, My my colleague, Sara Jyoti, one time uh, I was with her and somebody came to deliver something, uh, or, yes, to deliver a piece of furniture. And there were two men, uh, and so they delivered the thing. And I, and, uh, I said to her, okay, so shall, shall I pay them? And she said, yeah, 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 do that. And I said, so which one shall I give the money to? And she said, well, the, the one that's paler will be the boss. And I said, what do you mean? That can't be true. And I you know, asked which one was the boss. Obviously, it was the paler one, uh, the, the one with fairer skin. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, there are kind of many, many kind of levels of life uh, in Mexico. Um, I say that you can enc- encounter first world, second world, and third world just walking down the street. Really, you don't have to look very far, even right next to one another. Um, uh, so there are very privileged people. Consider on the left there, Claudia has got a doctorate in uh, uh, in biology. And uh, Guadalupe, uh, second from left, uh, well, probably didn't finish high school, you know. So we've got quite a range of levels of education. Uh, But I'm really, really pleased that people who don't necessarily feel that they're from a kind of middle-class type uh, background feel comfortable coming to the uh, centre and feel that it's something that you can benefit from. Um, Yeah, so I, I think that's been something that's really pleasing to me uh, but we we still want to attract a lot more younger people I would say and a lot more men for sure yeah. uh, that's how friendly we are over there uh, <laughs> if, you, if you visit us that's oh who's that looks familiar uh, there's proof that Sangadara has been uh, in Mexico and in Cuernavaca uh, <laughs> Does it not look like him? Yeah. Yeah. Like he behaves yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was talking about you know families and uh, the fact that we've uh, attracted uh, mothers and sons. So this is Sabine, Sabine on the right. Uh, she's German, and on the left is Paul, uh, her son, uh, who's Mexican. Doesn't look Mexican, does he? <laughs> not classically, but he is. Yeah. Yeah, and he's a Mitra as well. And uh, well, uh, before I came here, he told me that he wanted to ask for ordination. He wants to enter the ordination training process. He's 22. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know whether he's just trying to copy my life, but he, uh, he decided to, to change degrees and he's now studying a philosophy degree. So he just started doing that. Yeah. Sabine is one of our. Uh, she's, uh, she does so much work for us. She, she, managed, well, she's, she works as an English teacher, I think, uh, full-time. But many, many, many of our friends and Mitras volunteer at the centre. We, we had an event um, recently, just two or three weeks ago, uh, to try to kind of bring everyone together who was working uh, in some way in the centre. And not everybody could come, but about 20 people came uh, and when I was looking around the room, I was thinking, oh, yeah, that's the person who organises the film festival. Oh, yeah, that's the person who's in charge of the library. Oh, yeah, that's the person who's running the bookshop. You know, that's the person who's helping with the cleaning, etc. We've really got a lot of people helping us out. So it, there is really quite a strong spirit of Sangha uh, there. And uh, just, just in the last few days, uh, I received some photos from, from some of the Mitras. And they've been out in some of the rural parts of, of the state, uh, close to Cuernavaca, distributing kind of care packages because um, 
because of the earthquake. Uh, it's affected people quite, quite seriously, particularly in rural areas, I think, partly because they don't build their houses very well, so it doesn't take much to, uh, to pull them down. Um, so I was really, really delighted to see that we were kind of responding to that social need. Yeah, that's, uh, that's Rodrigo. Uh, that's a, he, he looks a bit older than that now. Uh, uh, he's, he's now 16. We've actually got a few people coming along who are, who are at the equivalent of A-levels a uh, there, two or three at least. Um, w- one thing that I, I, I... Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I don't, I don't find that people are, are so... Um, uh, impacted by age difference uh, in in Mexico, so I f- I find that I can have a conversation with a sixteen year old kid, and I can also have a conversation with an eighty five year old lady, and it doesn't feel like there's something strange about that. And even the sixteen year old can have a conversation with the eighty five year old lady, and uh, that's something I really really like. That, that, that doesn't doesn't seem to be that kind of uh, people feel that the need to just belong to a particular age group or participate in activities uh, of age group. So far, we haven't done any activities uh, for, directed at young people. Uh, we just do general activities. We might do it in the future, but we haven't done so far. Uh, I wanted to show you this picture because uh, this picture really uh, illustrates how things have changed just in four years. So when I, when I arrived in, in Mexico, uh, I think there were about maybe 15 or 16 order members at that time. And it wasn't passing through its best moment, I think it would be fair to say. Uh, there were quite a few tensions and conflicts between some of the order members, including some of the people who are in that picture. I'm not going to say who. Uh, and uh, about eight months or so, I think, after uh, I arrived in Mexico, we had this kind of summit meeting, it was like a kind of weekend retreat, and various order members came from England, uh, particularly from the Preceptors College, basically to try and, I don't know if their, their plan was to try and sort us out or, or what the plan was, but it was, it, it was to try to see if we could find a way forward uh, and not just uh, continue with quite a lot of disharmony uh, and conflict, um, which there was. It was quite a par- paradoxical situation because on the one hand, yes, there was quite a bit of dis- disharmony and conflict, but at the same time, there was a huge number of people participating in the activities. You know. uh, so anyway, over the, over the four years since I've uh, been there, a lot has changed, as I uh, commented. When, when I arrived there, uh, the, at, at least at that time, uh, the order wasn't having any meetings. There, there, there were no order activities. Nobody was... It's usual in places like the UK to have order weekends where members of the order come together and uh, get to know one another, practice together, uh, order days, uh, things like that. There wasn't anything happening at that time. And when people suggested events, uh, there wasn't very much enthusiasm uh, for them. Uh, So slowly, slowly, we've kind of worked on introducing some order activities. And this was a bit of a a kind of milestone for us, which was the first, I will say, the first National Order Weekend uh, in Mexico. Uh, And out of 31 order members, uh, 23 of them came on the event. Uh, So that was very, very good. And it was a very, very harmonious event as well. Um, Very, very good. Um, uh, And I think we've been very inspired by that. So I've talked quite a bit about Mexico and, and Cuernavaca and what I'm doing there, uh, but particularly because uh, Arivachan's here and because I think it's really important, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, what's happening in Venezuela. <coughs> uh, and the, the, the Venezuelan centre, uh, there's only one uh, in Venezuela, in a city called Merida, which is in the Andes. It's quite a small city, um, but it's, it's very nice, very nice place. As I'm sure all of you know, uh, Venezuela is currently passing through a, a huge economic and political crisis. It's been going on for a long time, really. It's just got particularly worse recently. Um, and uh, 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 two or three years ago, maybe three years ago, uh, the Buddhist center, or 
I, I won't say that the Buddhist center entered a crisis because I think it had been in a crisis already, but people noticed that. Uh, it hadn't really been noticed uh, for quite some time. And people like uh, Aryavarchin and, and uh, uh, Bhadranatha uh, felt the need to go and help out there. Um, so that's what, that's what they did. I don't know if you want to come and talk a bit about uh, what's going on. It might be better hearing from you. Yeah. He is. He's right here. Yeah. And this, this handsome devil is me. <laughs> um, whatever you'd like to say, yeah. Um, you were just about to say something about the, well, the, the situation. The, yeah, that yeah. there was a bit of a yes. crisis, um, yeah. So yes, I'm, I'm originally from Medellin, so that's, that's just outside the city, in the house of one of our uh, mitras. Uh, she, she was... She wasn't in the country at the time. She was in Mexico in a GFR retreat. And she lent the house for the men to have a, a GFR retreat. Um, so yes, uh, we have a very small center, as uh, Nagapriya was saying. And uh, there is a community of men at the center. It's a very, very common model uh, around the movement. And um, I, I moved to the community. I came to, to the movement when I was 19 years old. And I was living in that community for six years before coming to the, to the UK. So most of those guys in that picture are my friends. Yeah. So I've, uh, I've been friends with some of them for more than 15 years. So Ricardo and Pedro are friends from the, the very beginning. And um, yeah, we had a, a, an older member, a Venezuelan older member, who was the first Spanish speakers to be ordained ever in the mm. in, in Gerardo. Mm. And his name uh, was Manjurata. He resigned to the order uh, last year, July last year. And that was partly because um, he was quite isolated for many, many years. He was on his own for almost 17 years uh, in Venezuela. And uh, I, that created a very um, particular dynamic. And so what Nagabri was referring to is that it was a crisis really already before everything Exploded. Um, so for me, it's, it's very, it's a very dear place to my heart. Uh, I'm, I'm wishing to go back uh, in the near future. Uh, at the moment, Manjunata, Manjunata went there with Manjunata uh, 22 years ago, and they founded the Media Media Center. And uh, but at the moment, it's Manjunata really doing the, doing the, the work. We just had a Skype session with him. Well, no, it wasn't a Skype session; it was a video call mm. within a. This evening, and uh, yeah, the situation is it's been people very very involved with the movement for that, that amount of time. Ricardo, for example, in that picture, who recently went to Mexico with Carlos Luis, which is Ricardo has been living in the center for 21 years. Yeah. So he came to the center one year after the, the center was run, and, uh, and he's a very important member of the Sangha. And uh, well, you, we have people like Fabian, who is next to Ricardo, and he's just 18 years old. And he's, uh, he has had for ordination, and he's very committed, very, very disciplined. Um, and we, we are hoping to bring him to the UK to, to, to have an experience, more or less what uh, Nagapriya was describing about Cuernavaca. Uh, we, are, we are really in the periphery of everything mm. in Venezuela and uh, this is crucial, it's vital for people there to, to go out and meet uh, the wider movement. Um, so that's what we've been trying to do in the last uh, three years, encouraging people from Europe and Mexico to go to Venezuela and, and people have responded, I must say, uh, very wholeheartedly with, and very generously going to Venezuela and supporting people over there. And then recently, this year, we've been able to uh, fund some meetups going out, going to Mexico particularly, and, uh, and attend some uh, DFR retreats. Uh, I'm going next year with uh, another Venezuelan. We, we, but there are three, four Venezuelans in the order, none of them living in Venezuela. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all of us here in the UK. Uh, and, and recently, Parmashali moved uh, to Valencia, to Spain. So he's uh, working over there. 
but I'm going next year with Panashali and uh, and hopefully with Olmer. I don't know if you have heard of him. He's uh, one of the cooks in Adishtana, and he's a Colombian guy. Uh, I, I have the opportunity to live with Olmer in Nottingham. I, I'm working and living in Nottingham at the moment. And he's becoming a very good friend, so we are hoping to do something with him in Venezuela next year. Uh, I don't know, I can't say much more, but maybe mm. that's, that's enough in a nutshell. There's a nice connection between Manchester and Merida, because Manchester yes, was the first concert he put us in the street that night in Manchester. Did he? Ah. He was a student uh, in the University of Manchester, mm. Metallurgics, I think he said. Wow. Yeah. I think he came to one of your classes, wasn't he? Pardon? He came to one of your classes. He came to our beginner's classes. Yeah, yeah. He came yeah. to picture here. Yeah. <laughs> mm. That's it. Now I'm open to questions, maybe, at this point? Or um, that to how can we help? How can you help? Kalyanamitra <laughs> um, is very important. At, at uh, different levels, and uh, at the moment, I mean, economical and political crises uh, have put everything uh, in a situation where it's very difficult to to predict what's going to happen. Uh, so, yeah, we, we, for example, internet fails, and, and uh, but I think what is important for people, what we recently did in in. In August, in Nottingham, we did the twin between the Nottingham Public Center and the Media Public Center. And we, we launched something called Meta for Media, which is an initiative every, every last Wednesday of the month. We are trying for groups and centers around the movement, around the world, to, to do a bit of Meta for Media, yeah, a session of Meta Rachna for Media. And I think that's, that's very important at this stage. It's just creating this sort of network of solidarity with Venezuela. And um, I, I think the, the immediate consequence of that will be just people making connections, you know, more, more living connections with people in Medina. And, uh, and I think that's really, really important because in Venezuela, we really don't know what the movement is and the order is, and uh, but just having that sort of connection with somebody, you, know, you can you can sort of a pen poll that uh, mm. you know through internet or through phone calls that makes a lot of a difference you know, for people. Mm. And then so what what we have recently been receiving is offers from some singers in order to maybe to sort of sponsor some of the mitras to travel outside Medellin. Uh, and that's, that's still in process, but that could be an initiative that, that could be very helpful. Yeah. Mm. Some of them are really, really committed to, to the ordination process, and, and, and a few of them are not far away, actually, from, from getting ordained. So it's just, just that less help or hand of friendship and solidarity. Mm. Yeah? Great. <laughs> in case you're wondering, you know, why it's just guys there at that very moment uh, we uh, or uh, funds had been raised to take five women to Mexico so in that very moment they were in Mexico on a retreat that's where they were Uh, six was it yeah and we uh, we were in one of their this is one of their houses where we were yeah yeah Any more questions for Arivachin? Well, uh, I, I don't remember for you, but do you, do, you, um, do you have communities over there? Yeah, it's a men's community there. In the same building that the Buddhist Center is, and there are uh, six men living in the community. Good. How, how is it? How is it working? Is it uh, it's, it's been affected by the crisis. Um, I mean, in terms, for example, uh, it's very difficult to get food, for example, and uh, so it's not, it's not, it, it doesn't work as other communities in Trinidad. It's not just like putting a phone together and then buying food for everybody. So, and some people in the community, uh, well, most of the guys here are in the community. So the community is formed by Carlos. 
Jair is part of the community, but he's, he's in Colombia at the moment. This is another campus. Uh, Fabian and Ricardo. And out of those five guys, just Ricardo and Carlos have a, a, a stable job. Uh, and they, but they still, because of the economy, they cannot afford you know, to buy you know, food. So, but in principle, in principle, there is a reason. Yeah, but it, it's definitely affecting the dynamics. You know? Of course, of yeah. course. Yeah. And it's, it's a very, it's, the community has been there from the beginning. So mm -hmm. that's why I would say that this, uh, some people like Ricardo have been there for a long, long time. So when you're saying that it's difficult to get food, yeah. what, what does that mean? What's well, the, the prices of the products, they, every day they change, so oh. they, they keep uh, increasing. Yeah. So, mm. for example, when Marianetta came to the UK uh, in June, a uh, box of eggs uh, was priced around 15,000 bolivars. Uh, and two weeks ago, in just two months, it turned into 32,000 bolivars. And, uh, and to give you an example, it's like uh, uh, the money that, that uh, minimum wages somebody receives is around 60 to 70,000 bolivars. So, okay, it's not, it's not, it's, people cannot afford these prices. And they are regulated products by the government. Mm -hmm. But they run very fast. So, for example, one of the meters was telling me yesterday that uh, if he wants to buy ten pieces of bread, mm -hmm. uh, he can afford that uh, at, a, uh, at the regulated price. But he needs to go to the to the shop at five in the morning mm -hmm. and stand a three hours queue mm -hmm. to get ten ten pieces of bread. Mm -hmm. yeah. If he managed to be among the one hundred first <coughs> people in the queue, mm -hmm. so that's sort of situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the problem yeah. in is that the, the official uh, banking system yeah. doesn't work. Uh, so there is a black market yeah. uh, for current uh, for many things, yeah, for everything basically. Yeah. And uh, and then that's that's what changes uh, yeah. because the value of the currency keeps changing every day. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite complicated. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes it's been difficult even for Bajernata. He goes there with uh, euros or dollars, wow. and uh, well, there is no cash, for example, in the country. There's been situations where there is no, there are no notes. So all the transactions are with uh, debit cards, credit cards. That makes it even a worse, more difficult. Yeah. So, so, so that's the case for everyone. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much everyone. Yeah, nobody escapes to the crisis. Mm. Yeah, uh, Ari Vachin referred to Ricardo who's on the first left. So he's a university lecturer, a uh, biology lecturer, mm -hmm. and he earns the equivalent of ten dollars a month, which might be less now with the inflation. Yeah, yeah. So with that, it's obviously impossible to travel outside of uh, uh, Venezuela without help. Yeah. It's just a crazy sort yeah. of system, isn't it? It is, yeah. It kind of like, makes you feel really fortunate that we take everything for granted. That's it. But it's actually just like, must be so difficult to live and sustain sort of normality. Mm. Well, there's no normality. There's no normality. Three, you know, four weeks ago, the, the country was inflamed. You know, it was, there was a lot of violence in the streets. Uh, there wasn't a public transport. Uh, so there was, there was, any, no, nothing was functioning normally. Mm -hmm. They had a bit of uh, peace going on at the moment, but uh, it's quite tense. That was the people say it's quite. There's a lot of tension mm -hmm. uh, in the country. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's true. We we take a lot for granted. Mm -hmm. But people are, <laughs> the, 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 uh, the bright side of things, uh, the people are really committed there. You know? mm -hmm. it's obviously, people despair and, and feel mm -hmm. you know, uh, 
Yeah, very sad and very effective. But uh, they, they, yesterday, for example, they had a, what they call Kayapa, which is a sort of a work day at the center, and they were cleaning and uh, chanting mantras and preparing the center for the celebration of Parmasambhava Day. And, uh, and, and Bayada was reporting that it was very positive. Right? Mm. And they, they took out of one of the rooms a very old painting of Parmasambha and just, mm. just repaint it and make it pretty for the day. So. Now all the photos. Hmm? Are there any more? No. That was the last one. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, well, so that was just really a kind of an attempt to try and share a little bit uh, what's going on in another part of the world. Uh, maybe you'll get the chance to, to visit. Uh, maybe you won't. Uh, but uh, quite often when I say to people or people discover uh, that I'm living in Mexico, they say, oh, do we have a centre in Mexico? Um, and, uh, well, we do, yeah, and there's a lot of activity there, and as Ari Lachin's just shown, uh, we've all, we also have a centre in Venezuela. Um, and uh, from my perspective, I, I think that Latin America could be a place where our uh, Sangha could grow a lot, uh, not just in Mexico and Venezuela, but in other countries too. Uh, uh, it's taking its time, uh, but uh, there uh, there are a lot of people there. Um, yeah, and uh, they all speak just one language. So you know, if you learn Spanish, you can go to all those countries <laughs> apart from Brazil and uh, communicate with people more or less. Yeah. Uh, so please bear us in mind. Uh, well, bear you, well, bear you in mind as well. I don't know if anybody's gotten a, a final question or a comment. Yeah. Everything else is drug wars and people being slaughtered by corrupt policemen, mm. you know, mm. endless, and people trying to get into the United mm. States. But you just can't believe that this is the picture of everyday life mm. that you are experiencing. Mm. Do you come? Do you experience mm. any of this? Mm. Well, uh, unfortunately, I have to say yes. Uh, I have. We have experienced mm-hmm. that. Um, we uh, we had a. a a guy come to our sangha uh, probably about two years ago uh, called Miguel, uh, a lawyer, and uh, he became very, very interested and was coming to a lot of our activities, volunteering at the centre, helping out. Uh, last sangha day, uh, he became a mitra. Uh, he was very, very happy, and I was thinking, wow, this guy is really keen. Uh, uh, hopefully, he's going to get more involved. Maybe even ask for ordination. And in February, uh, he disappeared. And I don't mean he stopped coming to the centre. I mean he disappeared. And, uh, you know, obviously his family uh, were looking for him. The police were looking for him. And nothing has been found. Um, And the the sad thing is that, you know, Miguel's story is is not unique. You know, it's something that happens fairly regularly. Uh, yeah, so we, we've lost uh, one of the mitras from our sangha. We don't know what happened. Uh, we can only speculate. But as I said, this is something that happens to many Mexican families in, in different parts of Mexico. At the same time, uh, I've been there for four years and I've never had any problems at all with, with anyone, really. Um, uh, I feel generally pretty safe there uh, people are friendly to me at least um, and what I've noted is while I've been in Mexico there's been several terrorist attacks in the UK you know, and pe- including in Manchester as you know recently so I don't know it's, it's very difficult to make a, a broad judgement about it you know, because you, you do hear these things and these things do happen but then equally I think maybe many people think that the UK is quite a safe place and then, well, you know, you have these kind of random acts of violence that, that are happening. And, I mean, another thing that happened to me, it was quite strange, really, but on my first visits to, uh, to Mexico, when I was visiting there, I'd stop-offs, both times I'd stop-offs in Atlanta, just for a few hours, 
And on both occasions, I was watching the news, and they were just showing news of some uh, somebody walking into a school and killing loads of people arbitrarily. I think one was a Gurudwara. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, on both occasions, it was a, a different event. Uh, so one might think that the United States is a really safe place to be, uh, but it, well, it has its dangers too. So my, my feeling uh, with Mexico is that if you uh, behave in a sensible way uh, and you're not involved in uh, illegal activity, then you're very unlikely uh, to have uh, to fall into some of these situations. But obviously it's always possible that that, that, that may happen. I'm not saying that it's uh, 100% safe. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't feel... The only times I feel unsafe there is when I come here and people tell me how unsafe it is. <laughs> yeah, so shall we finish there then? Yeah, yeah thank, you. Mm. thank you. Yeah, well, thanks for listening.